Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm here with Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More magazine, and we're going to be talking about a popular summer project, t-shirt quilts. That's right. So t-shirt quilts are incredibly popular, and they're a great way to create a quilted keepsake. I've made a few, and I love all the memories that they hold, especially when I make them out of t-shirts that I can't wear anymore for various reasons. Either I've worn them down to the threads, or I've otherwise outgrown them. Today, I've got 10 tips for sewing t-shirt quilts, starting with the planning and ending with the quilting. If you've ever wanted to try making a t-shirt quilt but haven't known where to start, these tips are going to really help you get started and with planning and finishing those t-shirt quilts. Awesome, let's hear it. All right, so number one, you're going to want to use graph paper to plan your quilt top. A lot of the logos are going to vary in size and t-shirt sizes also vary. So the graph paper can help you plan out a space for each logo. Uh, When you're designing on your graph paper, you're going to want to set a consistent scale so that each square of the graph paper equals a standard number of inches. That way it'll be really helpful for you in figuring out the finished size of the quilt that you want. Tip number two. If you want all your blocks to be the same size, consider adding sashing to odd-shaped designs to make them square. Uh, One thing to keep in mind, if the sashing you use is a quilting cotton, you're going to want to pre-wash it before you sew it to the t-shirt so that it doesn't shrink. Most t-shirts have been washed and dried many, many times, so they've already shrunk as much as they're going to shrink. But the quilting cotton, you're probably going to want to pre-wash. You can also combine small t-shirt designs together to make a larger unit to add to your quilt. Now, Lindsay, you recently finished a t-shirt quilt. How did you keep your blocks all the same size? Yeah, so I was working with um, t-shirts that had varying logo sizes so I selected a size that would fit all of them which Mm -hmm. ended up being 10 inches square so Mm -hmm. I actually used a 10 inch square ruler to cut everything and then the logos that I felt like had too much you know of empty t-shirt space around it or were perhaps you know not fitting like I want I just cut it down, added more pieces around it, like you said, like the quilting cottons, or you could add, you know, other strips of t-shirt, and then use that same 10-inch ruler to square it up and cut it that same size. So I was adding a little interest, keeping the logo square, and still getting the size shapes I had planned originally. Oh, that's a great tip, and using standard size rulers is always a helpful way to keep your blocks all the same size. Yes. So tip number three, when it comes time to cut out the logos, you're going to want to deconstruct the t-shirts by cutting along the t-shirt seams with a pair of scissors or rotary cutter. That way you can use both the front and back of the shirt in your quilt. Tip number four, use an iron-on stabilizer to control a t-shirt stretching while you're cutting and sewing. For iron-on stabilizers, you're going to want to look for a featherweight, lightweight, or sheer stabilizer to keep the t-shirts pliable. Now, because t-shirts are knit, they stretch a lot, so it's really important to get some kind of stabilization on there. Um, You can also use a spray stabilizer, which can be helpful if there are a lot of plastic motifs on the logos of the shirts. Um, They can be hard to iron, and when you put heat on them, sometimes they can melt. Um, Lindsay, I believe you like to use Terriel Magic Spray Stabilizer, is that correct? Yes, so I was just introduced to this product last year, and it's just a spray, so you spray it all over the t-shirts and let it dry, and it makes it feel like paper, so very, very stiff. So um, I do that before I iron it and cut it and sew it, because it keeps everything really stiff so that I'm not worrying about like all the edges shifting or things stretching. 
um, and it washes out. So when you're done piecing your quilt top together, you just wash it and it all becomes really soft and cuddly again. Oh, and that's so important with t-shirts because that's why we love them. They're soft and cuddly. Yes. Uh, tip number five, press the t-shirts from the back side or use a pressing cloth to press from the front. Um, again, with the plastic uh, logos on them, this prevents the designs from melting and it also protects your iron because you don't want to mess up your iron with plasticky gunk. Yeah, especially jerseys, like the mm -hmm. see-through things, they will just melt right to your iron immediately. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Don't, don't make that mistake. Okay. <laughs> uh, tip number six, when you're sewing, you're going to want to use a jersey needle and 100% cotton thread. The jersey needle has a rounded point that penetrates between threads instead of piercing them. Use this type of needle to help prevent uh, tension issues and skip stitches when you're piecing the pieces together and then also when you're quilting. Tip number seven, when you can, consider ironing your quilt seams open to avoid extra bulk when quilting. Again, you're just trying to keep it as soft as possible. Tip number eight, make sure to pre-wash your backing fabric. Because t-shirts have been washed and dried many times, uh, they're not gonna shrink. And again, you wanna just make sure everything is shrinking at the same rate. So washing your backing fabric uh, before quilting will help keep the quilt from getting too puckered and just shrinking at different rates. Uh, you're gonna wanna purchase slightly more backing fabric to account for that shrinkage. Tip number nine, a few things to consider when you're choosing your batting. T-shirts can get really heavy when you have many of them on a quilt, so use a thin 100% cotton batting. That'll help keep the weight down. Then check the batting label to see how densely you need to machine quilt your quilts. Again, those logos can come in many, many various sizes, and you might have large areas of your quilt that you can't put quilting through because you don't want to mess up that logo. So check the batting label to make sure it supports the amount of stitching you plan to do. A lot of battings call for stitches four to 10 inches apart, which is a pretty big range. So you're gonna to wanna to choose accordingly. And then finally, tip number 10, if you're using t-shirts that have a variety of colors, consider using a neutral thread, like a cream or a gray, uh, when you machine quilts. That way it'll blend in with all the colors. Another thing you can try is a variegated thread. Sometimes you can find just that one perfect variegated thread that picks up all the colors of all those various t-shirts and it creates a really nice effect. Um, and I do have one bonus tip actually that I'm very fond of. Uh, if you have a lot of logos you can't stitch over, maybe large ones, try adding some dense quilting around those logos. Anytime you have a lot of dense quilting around an area, it makes that area pop and creates a fun 3D effect. And you can try that with many quilts, but it works really great with t-shirt quilts because it really calls attention to those logos that you love so much. I love it. And Joanna actually just did a video for us on a lot of tips for finishing t-shirt quilts. So a lot more than we've even included here. Mm -hmm. So if you visit our show notes, you can find the link to that video so you can learn all about finishing your quilts. I did. And we even included some popular quilting designs to fill the space. So you can watch me actually uh, do a stippling design live on camera, which was a little nerve wracking to be honest, but it was fun and it turned out really well. She so. did really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Joanna. Thank you. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Now Joanna and I will be taking a behind the scenes from the Crafts Lab, a segment where we share a behind the scenes look at what's happening in the office. So right now we're beginning to work on our summer sewing video series, which starts August 7th. And I'm working with our coworker Beth to come up with some really fun projects to sew this summer. 
So the series lasts four weeks and the videos will air live on Facebook and YouTube each Wednesday in August. So I can't share too much more, but we're using really adorable Northcott fabrics um, and the projects will be quick and easy, which is the best kind of things to sew in the summer. And we'll be sharing tons of tips and tricks along the way too. So if you're not following us on Facebook, find us by searching for American Patchwork and Quilting so you don't miss any of the videos. So Joanna, what exciting things do you have now? Well, Quilts of More Fall just came out on newsstand, so I'm really excited to finally get to share all of the projects with you. We have some really adorable home decor projects for Halloween and Thanksgiving, and there's a super cute turkey pillow that I can't wait to make for myself. I've been holding it in since I couldn't share it with you guys before. It is cute. I never thought I would think a turkey theme <laughs> thing is cute and it's adorable. It's so adorable though. And then also I'm just so excited because it's our very first reader issue. So we reached out to the Quilts and More readers and asked them for some of their favorite tools and tips and projects that they've made and we got to feature some of those in the issue and it was just it was really heartwarming for me because I got to read so many comments from everybody about what they loved in Quilts and More and how it inspired them and I just want all everybody out there to know you inspire me too and I'm just so grateful to be parts of Quilts and More and to share these things with you. So one of my favorite tips that a reader submitted was um, actually don't compare yourself to others because we're all learning and uh, especially we see some of those beautiful quilts on Instagram and we feel like we could never do that but um, we're all quilters and it's all about community and everybody's learning so it was just really a nice message to hear I think so thank you to everybody who sent things in and um, I hope you enjoy all of the tips and the issue as much as I did and again it's on newsstands now so go grab a copy it's a great issue thanks Joanna you're welcome I'm now joined by Allison, the designer of Quilts and More for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share stories of quilters making a difference in their communities. What stories do you have for us this week, Allison? All right, well, I have a couple of good ones for you today. And this first one I found from NPR. It's about a sewing group in New York's Catskill Mountains. They call themselves the Catskilled Crafters. And because it gets really cold there in the winter, they decided they needed a group project to work on to help keep them busy and occupied during those, you know, really cold months. So in the fall of 2017, the group got together they decided to make a quilt using old neckties, which we know is a very you know popular thing to do. So they found a woman who collected ties and reportedly owned 10,000 ties. Wow. <laughs> I can't even comprehend that many ties. Um, so the crafters packed a suitcase full and ended up taking about 500 from her collection um, to take back to the group. In addition to those, you know, many other ties were donated or some of the crafters in the group brought their own ties. So they dismantled, you know, dismantled the ties and ironed them out and then cut them into hexagons so they could start piecing them together usually using English paper piecing. And, you know, they were really careful about cutting them apart because some of them had really intricate motifs and they wanted to make sure they could kind of fussy cut certain areas of the ties. So in that area, there's a local sculptor and performance artist named Wendy Brackman, and she kind of became a mentor to the group, and she named the project The Ties That Bind. Very clever. Yes. <laughs> Gotta love a clever name. <laughs> um, and so the Catskilled crafters worked on hand-piecing all these ties together, and while they were doing this, you know, over time they became friends and were able to bond over this experience and they shared stories about fathers and the men in their lives and just kind of 
worked on paying homage to them in a way. So one of the crafters, Gail Frund, um, had lost her father 18 months before the project started. And while sewing his ties together for the project, she said it was really comforting to do a lot of sewing and handle their stuff. It was very meditative. Um, And then another crafter incorporated ties that had belonged to her brother, who had died suddenly during that winter when the project started. So a lot of other crafters had similar experiences, and it was just a great way for them to have a sense of community and just talk about the fathers in their lives and different men and the impacts they'd made, and it became a really therapeutic experience for them. So the group created several different pieces. Um, The first one was a very large tie. It's 10 feet long, pieced from hexagon hexagons from the ties that they had gathered and the piece is called Big Daddy. (laughs) Um, In addition to the oversized tie, members of the group created foot-wide vignettes. So each vignette is made of 37 hexagons and then there are 97 of these vignettes total. So members of the Catskilled Crafters were in communication with Wendy who had helped guide them through the whole process. She was able to, you know, teach them EPP and fussy cutting and kind of help them make their visions come to life and curate the whole process and make sure they were they aesthetically fit together. So it was very much a collaborative work. So Wendy said every quilter thinks someday they'll make something with ties. I consider the tie like an animal pelt. There's just so much you can use. You have to use it sparingly and you have to use it well. The ties that bind is actually on display in the American Visionary Art Museum in Baltimore. They have various, there are various projects hanging in the father room, which is part of an exhibit called Parenting in Art Without a Manual. Wow, so if you're in the area, that would be really interesting to check out. Yes, definitely. Okay, what's the next story? All right, our next story um, I got off of U.S. News. In the Sheffield Bay Assisted Living Center, just outside of Bay City, Michigan, there's a chance that you'll see this 98-year-old resident, Victoria Williams, sitting at her sewing machine. She has spent her entire life sewing. Um, She started participating in her local 4-H program when she was young, and then she eventually became a 4-H leader and then taught sewing throughout the community. She said she couldn't remember a time in her life when she didn't know how to sew. (laughs) Um, She can't remember, you know, being taught how to sew. She said she just kind of knew how to do it. (laughs) Um, So when she was young, she had planned to go to the Fashion Institute of Technology, but she didn't quite make it there. But she became a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse, and she ended up having five children. So over the years, she kept sewing and gave many handmade items to charities, including hundreds of handmade Christmas stockings. Um, So her current mission is to make dresses for girls. One of the hospice nurses at her assisted living facility mentioned that she was going to be going to an orphanage in Guatemala, and Victoria immediately knew that she wanted to make dresses for each of the girls in the orphanage, and there were 12 girls total. She had always loved making dresses, and now it was like a good reason for her to, you know, continue making more. Victoria said she's going to make it an annual mission, so she said, I guess I better be healthy because I have to make more dresses. (laughs) (laughs) So she uses fabric that's been donated from people she knows. She said it usually takes her about one day to make a dress if she doesn't have any distractions, but she said there's (laughs) rarely a day that she doesn't have distractions, which I think we can all relate. Yes. Um, So Victoria said she's eager to hear about the girl will wear the dresses that she's made and she just said I love making dresses each one has a little story to it oh that's so sweet yes so I think it's amazing that you know at her age she still wants to keep making dresses for these little girls in need 
Yeah, she better keep healthy. I know. (laughs) So we will be back after this quick ad break. Welcome to Getting Social with Jess. I'm your host, Jess Ziegler. This week, I got to talk to textile artist Rachel Dorr. Rachel founded a charity called Quilting to Memory, and she is taking clothing, t-shirts, uniforms, even socks from military personnel or firefighters, police officers who have died in the line of duty. She's taking these clothing items and making really beautiful memory quilts for their loved ones at no charge. So please check out quiltingamemory.org to see the kind of exceptional work that she does. And also at the bottom of each page, you'll find a donate button if you feel so inclined to financially assist her with the work that she's doing. It is very, very special. Rachel also collaborates with other quilt artists from time to time with her gorgeous long arm quilting. And she also makes her own art quilts with found and upcycled fabrics and clothing. Um, And that work can be found at racheldoor.com. And she's also on Instagram at Rachel door. Rachel is spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L and door is D-O-R-R, but we will make sure that everything we talk about is linked up in the show notes. Rachel is also involved in the Manhattan Quilters Guild and the Surface Design Association. So she is extremely busy, extremely talented, and we're really um, excited to introduce her and her work um, to all of you. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, thank you, Rachel Dorr, for being with us today. Um, could you give our listeners a short background of your personal life and your quilting life? Wow, my personal life, I was born in England, and I moved to the States about 17, 18 years ago. My husband says he brought back two souvenirs. One was me, and one was a chair. So um, <laughs> so we, we came to live in New York and there we had one child and then we moved just outside of New York and had another two children. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that's my personal life. <laughs> and then the quilting life is slightly more protracted, I guess. I, from a very early age, we made a lot of things. We made clothes for our teddy bears and, you know, wardrobes and cars out of cardboard boxes and all sorts of stuff my parents are quite creative too and I just carried that on through sort of adulthood and it got to a point where I was working and feel feeling very unfulfilled with work and I asked my husband if I could stop working and start making things he was not entirely thrilled (laughs) about the prospect at all Um, but eventually I said you know I can't do this anymore I've got to do something that means something to me so um, unfortunately I left my job and I started making things and I started knitting things and I started making Mm. things um, you know custom orders for people but I was still constantly searching for like really true meaning in what I was making because well you know because you make things by hand but when you make something you put so much of yourself into it absolutely and not always when you give that to somebody unfortunately do they realize Mm -hmm. how much of yourself you've put into something you know and how precious that thing Mm -hmm. should be treated and I had a small toy when I was little called Rachel Rabbit which was a handmade rabbit that um, a friend of my mother's had given me and I just treasured her and I was constantly looking for this thing that would be akin to Rachel Rabbit so that I would give it to people and they would treasure it as much as I treasured Mm. this rabbit. And one day there was a sort of email blast asking for somebody to make a memorial quilt out of a soldier's uniform. And I 
raised my hand and said, okay, I'll do it. And then when they said, okay, we'll send you the materials, I kind of sort of went white. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, what oh. have I done? And this uniform arrived and I was so overwhelmed by it, the responsibility of it and the, you know, the emotions attached to it and what I was going to do with it. And I just took my time and I made this quilt and I hope that it was beautiful and that it was loved by the mother and the child of this soldier who passed when he was in service and I made a quilt and I made a cushion and I made a little dolly as well for the mm-hmm. for the daughter and so after making that quilt and sending it home I said to my husband the poor man he's had me like change my mind about what, <laughs> what I want to do all the time I said you know maybe maybe this is what I should do you know is yeah. make these memorial quilts for people who have lost people that they love Mm-hmm. And they have all these memories that are embedded in the clothes and, Absolutely. you know, mm-hmm. all the things that they've touched and worn and, you know, your favorite shirt that he wore at Christmas or, you know, all these things right. that you don't want to get rid of, but you don't know what to do with. And so I spoke to lots of veterans agencies and explained what I would like to do and could I be a part of their program. And they were all really enthusiastic about mm-hmm. the idea, but nobody has any spare cash to give. So eventually my husband turned around and said, well, why don't you start your own charity? And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about doing that before. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how hard it was, but I looked into it and I did it. And I was absolutely thrilled when I got my 501c3 status. I was Yay. I was like jumping around the house. I was so Yay. excited. Um, and it's grown from there, really. And I don't advertise much. A lot of it is word of mouth um, or people who find my work on the Internet. And I've just had the privilege of working with some amazing families, taking those uniforms and clothes and turning them into items that will be treasured, you know, in the family for forever. Wow. Yes. And we're talking about such a visual thing with these quilts that you're making. So I do encourage every single person listening to pull up your work. And the website for the 501c3 is quiltingamemory.org. And Rachel has some excellent pictures of the work that she's done in the past. And I don't say this in as a, <laughs> it's not a negative thing or a positive thing but when you look at the quilts you wouldn't always be able to tell that they were made from clothing it's that integrated into the design I guess is what I'm trying to say well you're very very sweet to say that and I do do try and use everything within the quilt so sometimes I might use a white background to highlight the materials Mm -hmm. But quite often the white background is also, you know, a white T-shirt or a white pair of socks or a white sports jersey or something. So I really try and make sure that I use every single piece of clothing that they give me. That is just incredible. And if it's not used on the front, then it goes on the back. Wow. Wow. I'm just thinking of the challenges you must run into, but maybe after doing this for as long as you have, you have some tricks on how to, like, how do you work with socks in a quilt, for example? (laughs) (laughs) I think I was really lucky in some ways because, you know, I wasn't like a serious quilter beforehand. So I went into it quite blindly. And so I didn't have anyone tell me, oh my gosh, t-shirt material is the worst thing to work with in the world. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's really hard to do um, quilting designs on it or, you know, forget about any other foot on your sewing machine apart from your walking foot, which will be your new best friend. So it's been a lot through trial and error, but I found a couple of stabilizers that I really, really love that don't affect the texture of the material. And I use those quite religiously and I just prepare the fabric as well. So after I've taken everything apart, I wash everything on hot and tumble dry it and then I'll iron it and then I'll iron the stabilizer on it. So the preparation of the fabric actually sometimes takes as much as preparing wow. the quilt top. Oh, sure, um, I can see that. But by doing all that stages, I've sort of hopefully removed any, you know, worry of shrinkage or dye sure. bleeding. And so that when you get the quilt, I'm hoping that they'll find it really beautiful. But I also really want them to use it too, mm. because I mm-hmm. want it to sort of give that sense of a, a hug or comfort or the, something to touch, you know, to remember that person by. Oh, yeah. Tactile sort of warm experience oh, is my aim. That's wonderful. You have to give us specifics, though, because... <laughs> I know people will will wonder what stabilizers you're using. Well, my favorite go-to stabilizer is a Pelon featherweight stabilizer. It's Pelon 906F, which I buy in bulk. It's very light and it does a great job. My even more favorite stabilizer, but it's much more expensive, so I can't Mm -hmm. use it on such a greater scale because then Mm -hmm. the cost of these quilts goes up so much, is the Pelon Tricot stabilizer, which is almost like a knitted, it's incredibly delicate and light, um, and it comes in black and white, whereas I think the 906 F, um, and I apologize to Helen if I've got this wrong, but I think that one only comes in white. And then I recently came across another stabilizer called Touch of Gold or Touch O Gold, which I really wanted to try, but the cost was slightly prohibitive. Um, so until I find that one at a lower cost point, I don't think I'm going to be able to use that. But the 906, I feel, works really well for me and it um, quilts nicely. It provides just the right amount of stabilization, but not too much. So it's stiff. That's going to be very, very helpful to have specifics like that. I I really put everything I have into each of these quilts and, you know, I treat the materials, you know, with great regard and Mm -hmm. I save every single fit that I've cut off a shirt until the end of the project. So, you know, until I've spoken with the family, um, nothing is discarded, not a button, not a seam. So I, I really try and be as respectful as I possibly can with these items that they treasure so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really love what I do. I just feel so honored that these families sure. trust me. But I do worry and I, I do ask lots of questions. And if I'm ever not sure about something, I will ask a question. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting myself to like feel emotional talking about this with you, but I very much understand the care that you're, I mean, that's obvious from just talking to for a short time and also to look at the quilts that you have made already how could how could anyone look at those and not trust you implicitly with you know whatever design it's so funny because when I was at school I would get these report cards that would say you know Rachel's doing fine but she could try harder I was always completely offended because I was like I am trying (laughs) I'm doing the best I can and now I realize gosh I've never worked so hard at anything in my life wow I realized that those teachers were right and I kind of want my youth back 
imagine what I could have achieved if I <laughs> worked this hard through my 20s, you know, and it's, it's funny. I've really found within the charity, I find that incredibly meaningful work, but then it's kind of led me onto this whole other journey with a long arm that, you know, has really um, shown me love and passion of what I want to be doing. So oh, you're just a fantastic quilter too. And for me, not knowing uh, about your past and how you came into quilting, I would almost have guaranteed that you started with being an amazing long arm quilter and then just kind of took on this project because no. your your quilting is so amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, no, it's sort of the opposite way around, really, because the first quilt that I made with the soldier's uniform, I pushed through my little Bernina 430, which I've had for about 17 years now. Um, that was a big king size quilt that I, you know, oh, quilted wow. through the mm-hmm. Bernina. When I was applying for the charity, you know, the 501c3 status, mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, this has got to be easier because if I'm going to be making, you know, even five or six quilts a year, pushing them through the Bernina is going to right. um, make my shoulders fall okay. apart. <laughs> yeah. And some people said, you know, you can do it. And I knew that I could do it, but I also didn't want it to become to a point where it was a chore and that I wasn't yeah. loving doing the work anymore. And I was going to get a sit down, you know, quilting machine. Mm-hmm. And then at the very last minute, I said, no, I'm going to get the frame. <laughs> yes. And I have to say, I don't know what happened, but I am so in love with my long arm machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm head over heels with him. He's wonderful. <laughs> it mm. shows in your work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I, and then that's taken me off in a whole crazy yeah. journey as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that for, for just a minute. You belong to the Manhattan Quilters Guild, which is a guild of art quilters, correct? And there yes, own- it's a juried guild that meet in um, Manhattan. It's just a small group. There's 21 of us and we're all professional artists in our own right. And we meet once a month and we share our work with each other and where we're exhibiting, give each other support. And we also put on exhibitions as a group. That's wonderful. And 40, 40 your anniversary this year? Uh, next year, next year. Okay. Yeah. And you're looking for some exhibition space to... Um... Well, yes, I'm currently working on exhibition proposals um, at various venues. So if anyone's interested and listening and wants to visit the Manhattan Quilters Guild website, you can see the quality of the work and of these amazing women who I'm just honored to be a part of. And if they're interested, they can contact me. Mm-hmm. Well, it it has been extremely oh inspiring to talk with you today, Rachel. I well, I know that your passion for what you're doing comes through of finding meaning in your work and finding purpose. And I think uh, that's something that I'll take away from this conversation is just when you do what you love, you're just going to make such an impact. And I'm sure I can't even fathom <laughs> the impact that you've had with these families. It's well, just I don't, I don't know about that, but I hope that I've solved that small problem of what to do with the box of clothes mm-hmm. that is somewhere that they can't bring themselves to. I think I had one mother call me and she said, I'm so worried because I'm growing older and mm-hmm. I have this box in the basement and I worry that if something happens to me that somebody will mm-hmm. come across this box and they'll just dispose of it. And she said, I don't want that. I need something tangible mm-hmm. that somebody's not going to discard. I also know people that don't like the idea either, that they find mm-hmm. it quite morbid, which I understand also. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think grieving and memory of loved ones is a completely personal thing and it can be painful too, you know. Mm-hmm. I just feel so honored to work with these families. I don't know any other way to put it that they mm-hmm. trust me. Yep. Um, 
And each time a box of clothes arrives, I'm always overwhelmed by opening it. You know, it can be emotional. From a very, you know, small piece of that as a long arm quilter, I have quilted t-shirt quilt tops that have been made by others as memorial quilts. And to even, to, to just smell their oh clothing, gosh, yes. uh-huh. it makes me want to cry just now talking about it because it's such a, it's a sense that is so closely tied to their loved ones that it becomes an extremely emotional um no, process it's the, it's the last thing that that person touched you know yeah. it's like um my father passed away recently and um, mm. I was lucky enough to get all his clothes so mm-hmm. um I will have to think of something to do with those on a later date but yeah I I'm not a particularly religious person but mm-hmm. I do find that that person travels with their clothes to mm-hmm. me and I I don't know it's mm-hmm. it's more than just a t-shirt you know what I mean Absolutely. it's like a part of somebody's life and a part of their story and a part of their memory and yeah it's special I think yeah, yeah definitely Well, thank you again. Thanks for taking the time with me today. And I know this is going to be wonderful for other people to hear of of your charity and they can look up more information at quiltingamemory.org. Thanks so much, Rachel. No, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I really love these conversations that I've been able to have since um, doing the interview portion of the podcast. And I love hearing from you. As always, you can find me on social media. I'm at Threaded Quilting on Instagram. Uh, Take a picture of yourself or something that you're doing and tag me in your stories. I'd love to see that you're listening. And did anything surprise you about this interview? Or do you have any ideas for upcoming guests? I would love to hear them. Thanks so much. Bye. We're ending our show today with Reader Tips, a segment where we share your best advice to common quilting struggles. This week, we're exploring a few options for design walls. The first tip comes from Barb Kandari. She says, For a design board, I cut a piece of batting slightly larger than my closet door. When I need it, I tuck the batting piece around the door. When I'm finished using it, it's easy to take down, fold, and store until next time. Kay Nichols from Lanesburg, Michigan shares this tip. I loved the idea of a design wall but didn't think I had space for one in my small quilting room until I hung a flannel-backed tablecloth from my shelving unit. I made a hem in one end large enough to accommodate a one-inch dowel and attached the other end to the top of the unit. My instant wall rolls up on top of the shelving unit when not in use. We have one more tip about a flannel-backed tablecloth. This one comes from Jenny Crawley from Stafford Springs, Connecticut. She says, A flannel-backed vinyl tablecloth makes a perfect design wall. Reinforce several areas at the top of the tablecloth with duct tape on the vinyl side, and then cut slits through them. Place adhesive back hooks on a wall at the desired height and hang your tablecloth with the flannel side facing out on the hooks. Those are such great tips. We love hearing all these ideas from our readers. If you're interested in submitting your own tip for a feature in our magazines or on the podcast, send an email of your tip to apqtips at meredith.com.